Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Again to those online. We're, we're going to now move into the Word and uh, we're actually going to be finishing off our series uh, Living Stones from First and Second Peter together today. And uh, so uh, we're going to be looking, just a, a, a warning, an advance warning, we're going to be looking at Second uh, Peter chapter 1 today, the very first portion, as an overview and, and a conclusion to our time in First and Second Peter. And I hope already it's been really helpful to you. Um, I think it's always good to pray before we come to the Word, so I'm just going to pray for us now. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are close to each and every one of us. I thank you, Lord God, that you're here among us by your spirit. And not only are you here, not only are you close, but you love to speak to us. You love to speak to your children, to direct us in all truth and righteousness. And so, Lord God, I pray, Father, we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that are surrendered and ready to to host whatever it is you're sharing in our lives. Father, may we, be, um, may we be the people you've called us to be, and may we be committed to the journey uh, that will take. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wonderful. Well, as I've mentioned, we've been looking through First and Second Peter, and uh, the series we've called it Living Stones. And uh, if you look in First Peter chapter 2, we find out that Jesus is the living stone. He is the cornerstone. And then the passage continues. And Peter, an apostle of Jesus, writes that we also, by faith in him, by faith in Jesus, the living stone and the cornerstone, we too are being called to be like him, to be living stones as well, and uh, the motif goes on to talk about a house, which we'll talk about later, or a spiritual house at least, uh, which kind of um, has some parallels with the temple. But just as an overview, we started with this series, and we realised throughout it, God is calling us; He's inviting us to grow up, to actually grow up in our faith, to grow up in our maturity, to grow up in our walk with Him. And so, one of the first sort of key points to growing up is to grow up on Christ, which we learned, and then we moved into growing up in Christ's family, the family of Christ. So we realise we can't just mature in our faith without others around us, and really the point of that is making Christ-centred relationships. We can't relate to everybody here in this building, but there are certain specific people in times in your journey that God is calling you to be amongst, to be around, to help you in your walk, in your faith, and also for you to help them in their walk and faith. So we've got grow up on Christ, grow up in Christ's family, and today we're going to conclude with growing up with Christ's qualities. Growing up in the qualities of Christ. And the key word here is with. It was on Christ, it's in his family, and it's with his qualities. So hold on to that, because that's going to be the very heart of the message today. It's with him. And really, the invitation, there's two options. We're either obedient to the walk with him, or we're disobedient. 
But rather than seeing this as obedience and disobedience that can be a turn off to a lot of people where it's like, do this, and if you don't do this, this happens. It's more about obedience where it's with him. If you're simply with him, you're going to be obedient. And disobedience is simply being without him. And maybe to help you with this, here's a story when I was disobedient, one of many. Uh, when I was younger, around uh, six or seven, I remember it was the first time I've ever got lost. And uh, yeah, it was an emotional experience. Um, I was going with my dad, well, I, the whole family were together, but with my dad, I was going into like the park, had like a whole market sort of fun fair vibe going on. And um, I think I was going to get some, uh, I don't know, candy floss or something like that, something sweet. And so I wanted to get that, and my dad was going to take me there, and hopefully he was going to buy me some. And so I was excited to go with him, and he grabbed hold of my hand, and he was taking me through the busy market and all the stalls. And then I was like, Dad, I, want, I don't want to hold your hand. I, I want to walk on my, my own. I want to walk with you, but you don't need to hold my hand. Let, let me walk. Let me make my own way. And uh, in true sort of if you will, and um, sorry to get already topical, but in true Home Alone 2 fashion, if those of you know Kevin McAllister, he was trying to follow his dad through a busy airport and he ended up following the wrong person. And uh, I know it's terrible, he got on the wrong flight as well, but that's another story. I ended up in trying to make my own way, trying to follow my dad, because I wanted to be with my dad, I wanted to get to where my dad was going, I wanted the candy floss. I ended up following the wrong person. And so after a while, I ended up in a stall which was not candy floss, and this person paid the man and was ready to do some sort of game. And I realized, oh, that's not my dad. And uh, I looked around, couldn't see my dad, and so the next best option I had was to cry on the spot. So I cried on the spot in front of this man, unfortunate man, and unfortunately, that man didn't know where my dad was either. And um, so he had to stop his game. And thankfully, he, he was all right. <laughs> he, he took me to a place, a drop-off, where kids were lost. I was the only lost kid there. And I was fed loads of sweets anyway, so it worked out for me. Uh, I didn't get the candy floss. And my dad eventually found me, and we were reunited. And it was good. But ju just liken that to your relationship with God. I, I love God. I want to walk with God. I want to go where God is going. I want to be taken to where God is taking me in my life. But I want to do it my way. Or I, ju I just, you can do it, God, but let, let me walk my way. Yes. And do you know when you start doing things your way, you end up following who you think is God. You, you think this is how God is, or th you think this is how God would operate, or you think these are Christ's values, but you're following somebody else. And that somebody else, or that something else, or that way of thinking, that perspective, doesn't help you get to Christ. You end up lost. And so I want to encourage you today, in the challenge to grow up, the key is obedience. But really, the key behind obedience is stay with him. Amen. Stay with Christ. And as you stay with Christ, you will take on Christ's qualities. Um, we're going to open up together, Peter. So 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look at how do we grow up with Christ's qualities. So this is uh, from Peter, as he says in verse 1. Simon Peter, 
a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord uh, and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from stumble. Uh, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Just remember a bit of background here. First Peter was really addressing the worldly hostility towards the Christian communities around Asia Minor. The second letter of Peter is dealing with heresy within the church. Hostility from outside. Now, Peter is concerned for these Christian communities about heresy, false teaching, wrong teaching about Jesus, wrong teaching about the way you should live your lives. And he's speaking into this, calling them to grow up in the qualities of Jesus. And we'll see in Peter, 2 Peter particularly, he frames it all under this phrase, the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. You'll see it in verse 2. So imagine, the letter opens up, hi, I'm Peter. The very first line after that is about the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of God. We get that progressing, even in the short scriptures that I've read today, you get that in verse 3. And again in verse 8, and if you were to read the whole of 2 Peter, which I hope you have by now, the second, the second letter of Peter, it ends, the very last verse, chapter 3, verse 18, he talks about growing in the knowledge of God and Jesus. So what is this knowledge of Jesus or of God? And uh, Jesus says in John chapter 17, among his disciples, verse 3, he talks about eternal life everlasting life and he says this is eternal life knowing God and knowing Christ who God has sent and so really the knowledge of God that Peter is referring to here is an experiential knowledge it's a knowledge of a journey a process of relating to God and relating particularly to Christ Jesus in all his fullness, growing in understanding and knowledge of him, that is actually the knowledge of God. And so the first point today, really, from the knowledge of God, 
is the call to keep on knowing him. It's not simply know about him. We can read about him. We can study about him. But it, at a certain point, becomes a personal relationship and experience. So it's not just know about him. It's to know him. And when you really get to know him, and this is what I think we as a church are, are slightly pressing into these days, when you get to know him, you get to know his heart and you realize you end up wanting other people to know about him, sharing the good news of Jesus. Know him and make him known. That's what it is. And, and for some of us, maybe at times God is like the celebrity. You know, the celebrity you can read of, the celebrity you can talk about or see from afar. But actually, God is a God that we can know up close and personal. In fact, it's his desire. He's made the effort to draw close to us so that we can know him. So just liken it to one of your friendships, one of your fondest friendships. How do you relate to your best friend or best friends or friendship group? You share things with one another. You share experiences with one another. That You eat together, hopefully. You communicate in certain ways because that's how you like to be communicated to or you know that's how they like to be communicated. It's the same with Jesus. Look at Jesus. What are the things he likes to do? What are the things we've seen him do? How can we not just know about those but actually experience them for ourselves? So Jesus, what did he like to do? What are some of the things you can think of? Well, immediately, at least for me, Jesus, although he loved people, he was around crowds, he had followers, he had disciples. Jesus intentionally withdrew himself to have time with the Father. Do you know, Jesus intercedes in heaven right now, even right now for us, that we may know the Father more. We can share that experience with Jesus of withdrawing ourselves, however busy life is and distractions, and have time intentionally seeking the Father. That's how Jesus did it. Jesus also, we know, loved time in the temple and in the synagogue, and we know that was part of his tradition and age. But even at the age of 12, he sought after teaching from the Old Testament. He cared about those things. In fact, he was like among the scribes that were like, wow, this kid knows his stuff. So we don't just need to know about the stuff that Jesus did, but we can know it with him. When he grew up, we know he loved parables. So we can read those stories knowing the person who said them can reveal truth to us in them. And one of the things about parables is they keep revealing more things as you dig into them. These are just some certain ways you can get to know God. And just by looking at how Jesus was. Remember, Jesus loves spending time with the poor, the lost, the broken, the needy, children. Jesus loved people, so we can love people also and join with him by his spirit in those areas too. This last week, we um, drew together some of our leaders who are helping with discipleship in small groups, and we simply asked them the question, how do you get to know God more? Not just know about him, how do you experientially know God more? And there was 13 of us together, we came up with 20 ways just in that short time together. What's interesting, even in those 20 ways, I added one because we didn't mention it in time. Serving the community. That's a way that we can experientially know Jesus. It even says in Matthew, in one of the parables, when the king says, what you've done for the least of these, 
you've done unto me. We can know Christ experientially. And that's the invitation today. Know Christ, know Jesus by walking with him, by being with him. This is how we can know him. And for some of you, maybe it's not even one of those ways. Maybe you have a particular way you get to know God. That's fantastic. Can I just encourage you now, as you reflect and look at that screen, if there's one that you're not as I don't know, persuaded by or it isn't quite your strength or leaning, why not just ask God, is there a new way you want to speak to me? I know in my relationship with some of my mates, as we've progressed through life and the, you know, the technological advances we've had, I now talk to my friends in different ways. Maybe God would want to speak to you in this season in a different way too. That's not to say to leave that other one behind, but simply God is maturing us to hear him more. Even when we look at the Holy Spirit, when we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit speaks in and through us, there's many ways. I want to encourage us to lengthen or, uh, or increase our breadth of knowing God in our communication too. The verse continues as uh, Peter writes from verse uh, 3 and onwards. We get these uh, qualities of Christ listed from verse 5 right through to 7. And, and verse 8 talks about them being qualities that help us through our knowledge of God and Christ. And so I just want to uh, put these up now for you again also. There's seven here. Seven things. And it's not like if you have one, you can't have them if, unless you go through the process of each one. Now, I want to encourage you. You can, you can grow in any one of these at any time. But there does seem to be a progression to it in terms of this encouragement to keep growing. And that one will relate to another. Now, I want to encourage you as we read through these things. Let me unpack some of the meanings behind it. Goodness. Some of you in your Bibles, it may say virtue. Really, this is moral excellence, which already sounds quite difficult for the first one. But moral excellence is basically, is what you think, what you say, what you do, is it according to Christ? Is that the Christ way of doing it? And I want to encourage you, just simple things that I think you see in the Old Testament, even in the Ten Commandments, these things are helpful, like do not lie. How are we with our speech? How are we with talking to people? How about, and we, this was more last week, but the lust of our eyes. What we see is greed. Dealing with those things in our morality, in, in, in our virtues, is goodness. We, we are to pursue goodness. And here's the thing. This is an addition. This is on faith, okay? So this is an extra to faith. And I want to encourage us in our relationships with God. We don't need to get these things sorted to come to God. We go to God to get these things sorted. And I know it's unhelpful maybe in our English language that we say, add to this, add to this, add to this. Because really all of this is on faith. This isn't something outside of faith. We're not working our way towards God. We have to be on God for God to work on us. Okay? So let's move on to knowledge, insight, understanding, revelation. What I love about children's workers, or at least from doing children's work, children's workers have to, prof to profoundly understand Christian truths to be able to explain it simply. Einstein once said, if you can't explain something simply, you don't know it well enough. Uh, and that, that hit me in, in, in my understanding of Jesus and how I'm, I'm to grow. It would help me if I profoundly understand things, which is the journey with God. Self-control. 
Self-control is, is simply discipline. It's not letting things master you. And let's be honest, because this is a safe place to be honest. We all have our inclinations. We all have our weaknesses. And um, yes, it's good to be able to be self-aware. That's probably the beginning of self-control, to actually have that awareness of our you know, <coughs> lack. But actually, it's really important that we don't just accept those weaknesses and say, well, that's a weakness. No, we ask God to work on that weakness in us so that we be brought up into maturity, so that we become more Christ-like with his qualities. Self-control, perseverance, patient endurance, long-suffering, steadfastness. Sometimes even in your perseverance, anger comes to mind with me as well in dealing with anger. But it's just a consistency to keep going. To not change my behavior or attitude just because results haven't changed for me. It's important that we stay consistent. It's important that we continue um, drawing from Christ. Godliness is the next one. Righteousness, purity, and holiness. And I want to frame this slightly differently. Holiness, a lot of the times, because holy needs to be set apart. We see holiness as being holy over here in a bubble. But as uh, John Andrew said many weeks ago, that actually the holiness is being part of the world, but, uh, but not of the world. In the world, but not of it. And so we are the ones that are Im influencing. We're not the ones being influenced. This is really pertinent to, to Peter. As in, here's all the heresies that are, are helping you live a life that's away from Christ, which is easier. Here, do this. Enjoy greed. Enjoy lust. Enjoy these things. No, 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 no. We want to be godly people. We need to pursue righteousness, and that's on him, not in our own strength. Now it moves into mutual affection, brotherly love, Christian love. And uh, it's really important that we realize in the Greek, there's four different words for love. You may remember them. So there is eros, which is sensual love. Then there's storge, which is familial love, like in blood relative love. And then there is this love, phileo love which is Christian or, let's say, brotherly love or a family love that's outside of bloodline, okay? And then finally, on top of that, is agape love. Agape love is selfless love or seen as godly divine love because it's self-sacrificing. It's sacrificing oneself like Jesus did for the love of the world. So let's look at mutual love. All these things we cannot do without one another. These aren't things we just work on by ourselves. Literally for mutual affection, you need others in your life. But all of these qualities need other people in your life. And finally, the agape love. And this is what I love about this. Jesus, when he spoke to Peter, remember Peter wrote this. When Peter denied Christ, Jesus, after he resurrected, met with his disciples, and he met especially with Peter. And he asked Peter, before he said, feed my sheep three times, he said to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And do you love me? Every time Jesus said, do you love me? He said, do you agape me? Do you love me in that way? And this is maybe why sometimes you wonder why was it so hard for Peter to hear this. Peter replied all three times saying, I phileo you. I love you as a mutual brother, as a friend. And now let's look. Fast forward however many years. This is nearing the end of Peter's life. And here we can see 
that Peter's lived a life where it was no longer just phileo love, but he'd reached, he'd grown, he'd matured to agape love Jesus. And even at the end of Peter, uh, John, P- Peter is told how he's going to die. And that actually happens after he's written to Peter. We are all called to grow in the qualities of Christ. And uh, we need one another to help us do that. We can grow up or we can end up just simply going out, not being with, not being obedient. Now, to help us with this motif, I know I've talked about rocks before. I want to progress to show you a diagram of uh, the house of faith, if you will. And this isn't so much in Peter, but I think this will help you understand some of the Christian walk. And it's not just my own, um, actually a preacher and teacher that I like listening to. His name is David Pawson. He's passed on now. But um, he's done a version of this. So I, I've basically uh, applied it to Second Peter, the house of faith. Many of you will realize that to even be in the house of faith, Jesus had to die for our sins. He had to be crucified and he rose again. And in his death and resurrection, he dealt with sin. But it's our trust, it's our faith, it's our relationship with him that gets us into the house of faith. Now, you're not going to see the steps from uh, Peter's letters. But on the day of Pentecost, when Peter gives this gospel announcement, the people respond saying, well, what must we do? What must we do to be saved in response to hearing about Jesus' death and resurrection? And Peter says, repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're the first original faith steps to get you on the foundation that is Jesus, the living stone and the cornerstone. That is what the house of faith is built on. You cannot grow outside of the house of faith. All these things that we've just talked about, the qualities of Christ are from living by and within and through this house of faith, which comes through relationship, the knowledge, the experiential knowledge of living day by day with Jesus. And Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, here we go, in his teaching, in his long sermon, at the end of the sermon, the last parable he uses is the one of the wise and foolish builders. And within that, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. We all know, regardless of Christian or not being a Christian, unchurched or church, we'll all face storms in life. We'll all face the winds, the waves, the battering of whatever life brings unto us. But it is promised to us, to those who believe, who build their life on the words of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the qualities of Jesus, the example of Jesus. Those who build their lives by faith on him, the living stone and the cornerstone, we will never be shaken We'll always be on the rock of salvation, safe and secure, as long as we continue to do life with him. You see, the problem is, many of us will get to, or not for us, but the problem within Christianity these days is people get into the house and that's it. They're done. Brilliant. We've made it onto the solid rock. And instead of continuing to grow in their relationship, instead of growing in the qualities of Christ, moving up and up and up into the upper room, if you will, the upper room of love, and then one day off into glory through a process of obedience, which you can liken here in 2 Peter, to the living hope. Our living hope of Jesus in our final destination with him 
is our obedience, but it's our living hope. Our living hope keeps us progressing in our faith so that we go from faith to hope to love. And the greatest of these is love. So this is what we're called to do. That's what obedience says. That's what being with Jesus says. But the problem is too many times we see it, Lord. We see people not progress in their relationship, not keep growing in their relationship with God, not getting to know God, and they end up on the sofa of distraction. They end up just getting comfortable. And this is what happens. This is what Peter's worried about. There's, there's heresies out there that's saying, oh, you can live a life like this, or you can live a life like that, and that will help you, and that will please you. And it caters for you in the way that Jesus doesn't want you to go. And before long, remember, I used the shepherd motif the last time. Before long, you end up becoming distracted. And then you distance yourself from the shepherd. You distance yourself from the house. You end up drifting. And before long, you're in disobedience, which lends you out the back door to sin. And in 2 Peter, it's harsh. Peter says, it is better for you to have not known the truth at all than to have known it and then to left to leave it. He likens it to a dog returning back to its own vomit. He then likens it to a pig who's been washed but then returns back to the mud. So guys, please don't just think, oh, I'm just going to coast. You're already in dangerous grounds if you're just simply coasting, you're just simply sitting. Jesus desires a relationship with you that continues to grow, that continues to develop, that brings you to full maturity of love to love your world, to love Jesus better, and to love those around you. When you come out the house, you're back under judgment, and that's why it's worse for you. But if you remain, one day you'll take off to glory. And that's also what Peter writes about later on in this uh, passage. Finally, as we continue through the passage, verse 10, you can see Peter's heart. He says... I don't want you to stumble. I don't want you to be ineffective in your knowledge of Jesus. It's really important that we realize if we're holding on to Jesus, even though at times it gets tricky, we're always in his hands. He's got us. I want to encourage you today. There are challenges going on back then. There's challenges presented to you today, all sorts. But the important call of God on our lives is to stay with him to grow up through the challenges, through the inconveniences, through the persecution of whatever you're feeling or sensing, through the not knowing, know Jesus. Through the not knowing about your future, not knowing about what is happening among your, your family, not knowing what, what's going on in a friendship group or at work or with provision, just know him. Know him and he will make your paths straight. Finally, you can project this onto Jesus in so many different ways. I just want to end with this one. You know, Jesus is our hope. Many of us, we can know he's our hope, but not experience his hope. And my heart is, I know God's heart is that you would experience his living hope today. So for many of us, actually, it's not just hope, but it's peace. We know Jesus is peace. We know he's the Prince of Peace, but actually, I'm not experientially knowing his peace in my situation today. Go from this understanding of a gift of God giving you peace or Jesus giving you peace to Jesus being with you, being your peace. So 
So I don't know what it is you need. I know among us, there's all sorts of need. I know Jesus is the answer. But don't just know about it in Jesus. Experience it with him. I'm going to call up the rest of the band now. Time has gone. Just want to encourage you. It's always time to grow up. And we're all still growing. We make our mistakes along the way. There's grace in this house. It's a house of grace. By faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. But as we come to respond now, is that okay, Rebecca, if we just put up the, um, the seven virtues or qualities, just want to encourage you, would you pick one now? Just ask the Spirit of the Lord to lead you. How, how can we commit to growing together, Jesus, in one of these characteristics? All of them is great, but allow the Spirit to speak to you. I'll pray, and then the band will lead us. And then we'll finalize with a, a, a final prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us. And I thank you right now that you've sent your Holy Spirit to be among us, to lead us and to guide us into all truth and righteousness. And I do pray in this tender moment that with hearts open to you, that if you are particularly drawing us to a quality of Christ to grow in today and in the weeks to come, would you not only make that clear, but would we have more faith to see ourselves grow in that with you? Holy Spirit, lead and guide us. Once again, we say we are yours. We belong to you. So help us. Speak to us now, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9 and 11am in person and online.